Greetings, everyone. It is now time for Mark Safe, tales of your very favorite and most beloved man-made disasters. On Mark Safe, we discuss events and details that some may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Please listen responsibly. And now, here with your hosts, Brianne and Melanie, this is Mark Safe. You staying warm? Nope. This is one hell of a cold snap. How how abnormal is the cold where you are? I know it's cold for you guys, but I'm how often do you see this kind of weather? Not often at all. No, this is this is miserable. Yeah, this is horrendous. It's funny because everyone keeps calling Cody and I saying. Just make sure you're, you know, drip your faucets and all that stuff. And I'm like, they act like we've lived in Louisiana our whole entire lives. Like, he's from fucking Idaho. <laughs> yeah, I'm that's why Kentucky. I haven't said anything to that effect. Because I don't even know where all you people have lived. Yeah, we we, we know. I mean, it's good. I mean, it's good. Yeah. Thanks for the heads up. You know, but <laughs> we got it. We got it under control. So. I need to go Man, I probably should be dripping my taps now. One of the um, one of the chicks. What is her husband's job? I know you know who I'm talking about. Plumber. The yeah, is he a plumber? Is that what he is? She said plumber. Okay, well, my reading comprehension is questionable. Um, one of the chicks posted that her husband was reminding everyone to drip their faucets tonight, and said that it was it should be a pencil's thickness the water, which was news to me. I did not know it needed to be that much at all. So passing that on here in case this is relevant information to anybody who also needs it. <laughs> I knew I needed to drip them, but I thought it was I thought it should be more of a drip and less of a stream. But shows what I know. Yeah. Um, has any power loss in your area? Um, I don't think so, which is weird because, as you know, our power in this whole area is really kind of finicky. Right. I don't think we have. I'm really surprised. We we usually do when we have this kind of weather. Honestly, I don't think we've had this kind of weather actually since I've lived in this exact area. So, yeah, I've, I've been waiting to lose power all day, but it hasn't <laughs> happened. Fingers crossed. Well, that's good. That's good because we have to get through this recording. And by the way, yes. my microphone is working. I have been beating <laughs> myself up all week about... Yeah, I've been beating myself up because I was supposed to uh, record a disclaimer about it and put it at the top of last episode that your audio was wonky and fully intended to. But then the audio guy was like, the episode's uploaded. I'm done. And I was like, oh, no, oh no, I didn't do that. Uh-huh. And then it would have taken him like a lot of time to go back and put it in. So I was like, I'm just going to have to put a written disclaimer. But yes, we are sorry about Melanie's audio last week. I fucked She's it been up. written up. I have, yep. It's my final warning. Mm-hmm. We stood her in the corner for a while. <laughs> she's I got she's my been in contact spankings. with HR. But oh, wow, you really, you, you can't help yourself. <laughs> No, it, but it it was just a stupid mistake. Um, we're all good now. We're all good. I know I need to pay attention. And hey, we've had a great run without any audio mistakes mm-hmm. 
yeah, we that have. big. So. I do say so. We came out of the gate strong on audio. I think the only thing I have to worry about today is my heater is on overdrive because it is not used to this weather. So might hear that kick on and off every once in a while. That's okay. But that's about it's, it. It's ambient noise at this moment in time. I'm sure everyone has their heater coming on and off. <laughs> do you want to do some animal bracket? I do. I really like the pairing this week. It's an easy pairing. It is. I'm actually happy not to have some fucked up horrifying animals. So this week we have the chicken. Mm-hmm. And in honor of your mother, <laughs> fuck a snow leopard. Okay. So this one is actually really easy. It was so easy that I had to think about it for a while and make sure I wasn't making any hot takes that were a little too hot. But no, I'm I'm going with the chicken. This is easy for me. I love chickens. They're just they're just cute little gals. Are you serious? I thought you were not a bird fan. They're not birds, they're chickens. I'm blown away. I what? What the fuck are okay, you talking also, about? Here's the thing. My mom's not gonna cook me my birthday dinner if I pick the snow leopard. Oh I have no quarrel with the snow leopard. She's extorting you. But, but, uh, she has not yet cooked me my annual birthday dinner, and I think it's supposed to be before too terribly long, and uh, it'll it'll certainly be after this episode drops. So I I don't really want to chance it. Also, I do love chickens. Can I ask you what you normally eat for your birthday dinner? If you don't judge me, okay. If you, say, if you say chicken, so help me God. No, not chicken. It's my mom's perch every year. What's perch? It's fish. Why do I not know that? Why don't you? I don't know. I worked at a fucking seafood restaurant for like years. That's weird. You should. It, it tastes kind of similar to catfish. Oh, I love catfish. Yeah, me too. And um, I've never encountered anybody in the world who makes it like she does and i will never in my entire life undertake fried fish i that's that's no that's well above my skill set maybe if i get an air fryer someday i don't know i love fried fish yeah her recipe is better than anybody else's and i am in no possible way brave enough to try to make it myself. So I get it once a year for my birthday. And Snow Leopard is not going to fuck that up for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I really do love chickens. What do you love about chickens? I mean, do you not love chickens, Melanie? What's your problem? I mean, they taste good. <gasps> I don't know. I just... I don't. I'm scandalized by your casual disdain for chickens. I just, I don't know. I think, I think I saw one too many influencer type backyard chicken coop. <laughs> this is Goldie Hawn. I don't know. No, I, I know what you're talking about. And that's, that's valid. But I just, I think they're very cute. I've always wanted to pick one up. They are tasty also on the flip side of things. Um, they they buck buck. <laughs> I think even the word chicken is a very cute and funny word. They're just, they're the best. 
If it's so cute, then why do bullies utilize the word chicken to torture smaller kids? I guess they're armadillos. I don't know. (laughs) I don't do that. I want to know what you hate about snow leopards. Is nothing. God bless it. Nothing. This is going to be another armadillo pangolin thing where I have to defend my my lack of problem with snow leopards. I have no quarrel with snow leopards. Again, I'm going to go on the record saying that right now. I'm indifferent to snow leopards. I don't really love predatory animals, generally speaking. Um, I'm not really sympathetic to anything associated with the snow right at the moment. And I really want my birthday dinner. Okay. It all makes sense. And I love chickens. And I, I mean, I would never say that I love snow leopards. I'm, I'm completely indifferent to snow leopards. Can't believe I'm putting chicken. I can't believe you can't believe it. I thought you had to know this was a shoe in No. I was like, this is going to be so funny because... Brianne's going to have to pick Snow Leopard, and then her and her mom are going to get in this Jerry Springer fight, and it's going to be of epic proportions, and I can't wait to tell everyone. You were counting on that for bonus content, weren't you? I was hoping. (laughs) No, I love chickens, and I, I know myself well enough not to fall into the backyard chicken trend, because I know that I don't really want the day-to-day upkeep of chickens but i do definitely have a bit of a fantasy about walking around a farmyard barefoot in a prairie dress with some chickens following me and carrying one i don't know why i'm carrying i don't know where we're going or what we're doing it's got legs but then there's like chicken poop and you're like barefoot well but see i have no exposure to chickens at all other than eating them so you just don't know i'm a city gal so i have no negative associations i just have cute wholesome associations (laughs) you're adorable (laughs) i love it maybe if i spent time around chickens i would not feel this way but i don't so (laughs) all right here's my hot take it's my most confident one yet well i guess i'll take it except what was the first one wasn't the first one something really shitty the, uh, on the animal bracket? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the harpy one. eagle. Versus what? It was the harpy eagle versus... Hold on. How do I not know this? Oh, a pig. Oh, okay, yeah. This is the easiest one since that. I can't wait till next week. Oh, God. What have you got in store? Mm, you'll see. Okay. Your your matchups are alarming. should i tell everyone how i matched this one up (laughs) sure yeah talk your shit so yeah i told brianne what the matchup was this week and let me just pull up this message because my memory has been (laughs) and i'll tell you i've been hoping since the first time that i saw i don't remember who it was somebody said chickens I have been hoping since that very first day, I've been looking forward to the chicken day because I just love chickens. And I've made you wait. Yeah, you did. So I saw chickens and I was like, hell yes, hell yes, chicken time. Man, you're making me nervous for the rest of this bracket. You're (laughs) fucking chicken love. Yeah. All right. It's pure. All right. 
if a chicken fucking wins this thing, you're going to be mad. And I've been looking forward to it because it is in the number two tier of animals that I love. There's the untouchables like raccoons, where if a raccoon were anywhere in this bracket, a raccoon would win. Yeah. Because nothing could ever beat a raccoon. And we went through this. The the untouchables are not in this bracket whatsoever. They were eliminated from the get-go. A chicken's not quite there, but it's close. Uh, I wish you would have told me that. <laughs> Why? Because I would have given it so the boob So you could give too. me more star-nosed moles? <laughs> yeah. So Bitch. I told Brianne what the matchup was, and she wrote, fascinating matchup. And I meant it. I was not being facetious or ironic. I wrote, don't think much of it. I just picked the two most boring and put them together. <laughs> Wow, Melanie's fucking surly this week. God damn. I was like, I probably shouldn't say that out loud, though. And you, but here you are. And you went, I beg to differ. And I wrote, which part? Because I was like, does she mean, like, the animals? Or should I tell people? And he wrote that they were boring. No, they're the... This is, this is my favorite one. All right. You have been offending me with your matchup so far you give me these horrible animals that i have to research and then i have to either side against one of my friends like the armadillo (laughs) or i have to choose between two fucking nightmares well prepare yourself because that is the rest of the animal bracket oh god and this time i got to choose an animal that i really really like against an animal that i really don't give a shit about that could stand in the way of my birthday dinner (laughs) So, here we go. Well, You're welcome, Mom. Well, let's move on to some other nice things. Okay. Um, I'm, all, I'm all fired up now. <laughs> I am. I'm heated. Okay. I know how to chill you out. Okay. We got some more Patreons. So, we got, Ooh. We got some couple shout outs. Oh, look at you. You did remember. I, I did. I was like, Fuck. Don't let me forget. <laughs> I've been forgetting everything lately. I've well, good job. Like plugging in my fucking microphone when I'm recording a podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, we got two new Patreons. Uh, Sarah Shunk, thank you so thank you, much Sarah. for the support. Um, it's awesome. By the way, love you. you didn't give me your address. So if you want these stickers, please just message me, whatever, and I'll get They're them out. They're really good stickers. They're good stickers. And then sometimes I send out postcards or letters if I'm bored. That's probably why she didn't want to give me the fucking address. Because <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what you'll get from you. No. And then Chelsea McDonald, thank you so much. She's my real life best friend. <laughs> Super awesome. I-, I feel like it would be disingenuous not to say that. Well, I don't know her. So thank well, you. I feel like you do, though. I do. I do. I feel like if you, I mean, there's like, there, there's a cast of characters around me. And if you know me, you <laughs> at least kind of know Chelsea and my mom and the audio guy. <laughs> no, it's, no, she's awesome. And I super duper appreciate it. Well, thank you, everybody. Yeah. We're happy to have your support. We would love to send you stickers. God bless it. I guess I have to hand deliver one to Chelsea. No, I mailed them out. So she should oh. be getting them. Well, if this weather would cooperate any moment now, she should be. She having... hand delivered some titty cookies to me a couple days Did ago. Did you say titty cookies? I said titty cookies. 
What are titty cookies? Okay, she is a magnificent, majestic baker and has been selling macarons. Is it macarons? Yeah, macarons. macarons. But is it oon? I don't feel like there's an oo in it. Well, I say macaroon. I think you might be saying it wrong, but I don't know. Well, I say everything wrong. No, you don't. You're my podcast co-host. I would know if you did. Um, But whatever those cute little things are, she makes them and she makes them wonderfully. And she's been selling all kinds of delicious goods for Valentine's Day. And actually, you know what? We can plug her Etsy. At the end of this, in disaster relief. Yeah, let's anyway, do that. Because it's, it's not just Valentine's Day, but obviously she's had quite a run for Valentine's Day. And she made these really cool ones. That's like, they're in the shape of a heart. And half of them were, were booties. <laughs> and it's like, I think, the, I guess the heart's upside down. I'd have to look at it. I ate them all. I don't know. Um, you ate ass. I did. And so did the audio guy. <laughs> and it it looks like booty shorts and then the other ones are titties and it looks like um you know cleavage and like a a fancy bra and they're all different patterns and different skin tones and it's very cute and uh yeah i bought some of her titty cookies that's fucking adorable and, yeah. i want some titty and, cookies and, the, and then today some some weirdo um friended her on facebook and she's like by the way if you get a friend request from this guy he's he's a bad dude and he's a cheater and i'm like why and she's like well he just he just friended me on facebook but he clearly has a girlfriend so i think he's a creeper and i'm like he probably just wants some titty cookies you're a public figure now (laughs) (laughs) god damn hey you gotta be cautious these days i mean you do and he probably is a creeper like don't get me wrong what if it was jerry Oh, fuck Jerry. <laughs> oh, and then he'll leave her a two-star review and call her an armadillo. Yep. Mm. He never stops. Terrible. Actually, he did stop. He never even came back to defend himself at all. Yeah. Chicken. <laughs> but I'm sure he's on his bullshit somewhere else. Yeah. He found another podcast to harass. Or an Indian-owned establishment. Ugh. I don't want to talk about that guy anymore. It's a waste of breath. You brought him up. I know. I need to. I was just getting it out of my system. Okay. (laughs) Well, now that we've got um, chicken love, titty cookies, everything else, bad scare weather out of our system. What are you what are you going to tell me about today? I'm going to tell you a really terrible story. Okay. So. Here we go. Freddie Lee Tyson was born October 1st, 1905. If you're fascinated by generations like I am, like there's that whole millennial side part shit going on. I'm not a millennial, (laughs) so I don't have to worry about that. But do you have a side part? No. Really? No, mine's right down the middle. Side parts are weird. I'm not a millennial. Oh, shit. I'm a diehard side parter. I don't know what to tell you. You are Heck. not cool, Brianne. Not I cool. Mean, did you think I was? <laughs> <laughs> and I wear skinny jeans. I think you're the coolest. No. Have you met yourself? <laughs> Stop. No, you're obje- objectively the coolest. Continue. Whatever. So, Freddie Lee 
he belonged to the greatest generation, also known as the GI generation. Those in this generation were the first of the 20th century, born before 1924. Uh, a term coined by Tom Brokaw, the ge- greatest generation shares a common bond, living through and experience the hardships of the Great Depression and then going on to fight in World War II or working within the industries that helped win the war. Okay. So. It's a pretty pretty specific thing. It is very specific. This It, like, kicked off all these generation things i wonder yeah i wonder what my kids generation is gonna be do they not have a name yet no oh wow it's gonna be super interesting wow what are are you you're not a millennial are you what are you no i'm gen x okay i'm like dead smack in the middle of millennial yeah i'm just i have the student loan debt to prove it (laughs) oh worst um yeah all right so back to freddie lee yes he was a good dancer with a sense of humor and on set by the way was my dad's name freddie lee specifically oh really yeah that's so cool yeah it's something random okay continue well freddie lee he was a good dancer with a sense of humor and on september 21st 1931 he married his love johnny may neal the two would go on to be married an astounding 57 years, the two having nine children. That's some wow. goals. Yeah, I mean, you're you're more than halfway there. If I was younger, I would be having lots more kids, I think. Oh, I don't think it's too late for you. And look what happened last time I said that. <laughs> you better knock it off. <laughs> or knock it up. So when Freddie Lee married Johnny May, he was a sharecropper in rural Alabama. But early on in their marriage, he shifted to a new line of work as a carpenter. With World War II beginning to become a reality, President Franklin Roosevelt decided to expand the civilian pilot training. Before the Air Force, there was the Army Air Corps. And in 1938, all armed forces, including the AAC, were still heavily segregated. With Roosevelt's announcement, the NAACP and other civil rights groups argued for the inclusion of blacks in the program, and in 1940, the White House announced that they would begin training black pilots. The training of black pilots would take place at Moutonville in Tuskegee, Alabama, and Freddie Lee Tyson, who worked as a carpenter, would go on to help build Moutonville, the only primary flight facility for black pilots then. It had two aircraft hangars, wooden offices, storage buildings, a locker building, clubhouse, vehicle maintenance area. It was a big fucking deal. You see, the success of the Tuskegee Airmen in World War II would be pivotal in the desegregation of America's military. They fucking crushed it. Who wouldn't be proud to be a part of a story like that? But it wouldn't be his part in the beginnings of the Tuskegee Airmen story that would give Freddie Lee the type of notoriety he deserved. Instead, it was something sinister. A different Tuskegee story. Freddie Lee would be more than one of more than 600 victims in an unethical study that began on black males from 1932 to 1972. The cover of the November 1972 issue of Ebonic Magazine has a beautiful Diana Ross wearing long white satin gloves, posing her arms outstretched in a stunning silver mermaid gown. 
She's promoting her new movie, Lady Sings the Blues, where she portrays jazz singer Billie Holiday. The cover of the magazine also advertises articles, the annual football roundup, grounding the skyjacker, and the Tuskegee study, condemned to die for science. I want to read just like the opening part of this article for you. Um, it's a little lengthy, but it's it's important. So, I have a lengthy amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> Last July, during a hot, sun-tormented afternoon in Montgomery, Alabama, Charlie Wesley Pollard, a 66-year-old farmer from nearby Natasolga, was greeted with news that he had a venereal disease. He was not seated in a doctor's office when he became privy to this information, and he was not anywhere near a city health clinic. He was standing inside Montgomery Hooper Stockyards amid hundreds of cattle, some of which he had just sold. When a young white woman, whom he did not know and whose name he has since forgotten, approached him, introduced herself as a reporter from a local newspaper, and proceeded to inform him that he, Charlie Pollard, had syphilis. Listening to this woman, who may have seemed like an unstable soothsayer or a clairvoyant, Pollard simply stood there in silence while she went on to tell him that he had syphilis for 40 years and that since the onset of a 1932 U.S. Public Health Service experiment, his body had been used in the name of medical science, used as, used as one might use a guinea pig or any one of those uh, cattle now being unloaded from his truck. Pollard is a reserved, very patient, very polite man, a man whose most striking characteristic embodies a great gentleness. So it never occurred to him to become angry, ignore what he had just heard, or perhaps usher this strange, apparently mad woman out of his way. Besides, she spoke with some knowledge, since for more years than he could remember, he had indeed been undergoing medical examinations at various intervals by teams of men who called themselves government doctors. You ain't got nobody's name but mine, he finally asked her, thinking of scores of other men, some of them his own acquaintances, who had undergone the same examination. Did this woman want him to become a part of another medical study? Was that it? Yes, she answered. Yours is the only one I got. This article is, like, mind-blowing. I'll post it, like... Yeah, I definitely want to read it. I think everyone should take a time and... Um, was able to find like the whole magazine. So if you want to read the whole thing, it's super. I I love vintage magazines, there anyways. Is, but like there, I never knew until I started a podcast that the absolute jackpot joy of stumbling upon like a good long form article. Oh, it's the best. It it is ecstasy. Yeah. So I'm gonna post this so everyone can like. Just read it. It's really good. Um, it's mind-blowing. It's it's really good. The article goes on to talk about the stunning revelation that a Tuskegee syphilis experiment allows 400 black men to suffer without treatment. So I, I said it's 1972. Freddie Lee Tyson gets a phone call from his son. His son had just finished reading the Ebony magazine with this article in it. And he was floored. He remembered his father talking to, about a nurse that would come visit and take his blood. This is how 
Freddie Lee Tyson learned about his involvement in the Tuskegee study of untreated syphilis in the Negro male. That it was what it was called. So his daughter, Lily Tyson Head, said, quote, The most disturbing thing to all of us was the fact that daddy did not know that this study ever existed. Neither was he aware of being a participant. All eight of his children were crushed. We had many questions, but daddy had few answers. Daddy had not been informed. For the first time, I saw pain, frustration, and fear in our father's eyes. I heard anger and confusion in daddy's voice. Like, imagine that's how you fucking find out. I, I can't even. It's heartbreaking. This is why nobody trusts the government. <laughs> exactly. Um, which kind of, before we, like, kind of get into this, I, I want to stop about trusting the government. I'm glad you said that because <laughs> this is actually how I stumbled on this episode idea in the first place. Um you know, with the recent rollout of COVID-19 vaccination, like it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that there's going to be pushback. I mean, oh yeah, we had a weird fucking year um, yeah. with our political climate. The way COVID's been handled thus far has been a, a fucking mess. And that's putting it politely. Um, and then you have the people with the, the pandemic. And so... Yeah, it, it was bound to happen. But when I started seeing like some of my friends, they don't normally fall in the category of people that would go for this type of shit. Yeah, they started talking about like vaccination hesitancy. I don't know if maybe you saw um, some of it, too, on your like any of your feeds. It just it caught yeah. my attention. I was like, what? Like, no, like, yeah. This is, this doesn't seem like something you would be talking about. Um, Embarrassingly, I've never heard of this story before. And I've been going back and forth on whether I wanted to cover this story for a while, just for the simple fact that I personally believe in the COVID vaccination. Um, And I don't want to ever derail the importance of people getting vaccinated um, right. So I'm like, fuck, like, how do I cover yeah, no, this? I see what you you mean. know what I mean? I see what you mean. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm very personally open about the fact that I am nervous about the vaccine, but I think that given everything that we know right now, it's, uh, I mean, even if you consider it a gamble, it's clearly the best gamble to take. Right. I mean, we got to do our part in like protecting the most vulnerable in our community. Yeah. If I didn't believe it. I wouldn't be like, Aunt Veda, do you have your vaccinations yet? Right. You know what I mean? That's yeah. super important to me. Yeah. Um, but then I like, I really started thinking about it because I was like, well, you can't sweep vaccine hesitancy under the rug because you want everyone to get vaccinated. Like, yeah, I know. It It concerns me a little bit and I'm... I'm choosing all of my words so very carefully. Right. Um, it The black and whiteness of it concerns me a little bit that I feel like I'm only either seeing people who have absolutely no worry, absolutely no concern, just complete total trust or people who will never get the vaccine. 
Right. I, I, I don't really know that I think either one of those is appropriate. I mean, stories like this exist. Right. They, they do. We can't pretend they don't. And governmental agencies do not always have our best interests at heart. And horrible shit has happened in medical history. Especially I mean, all, to the black community. True. Especially yeah. to the black community. Especially to the black community. But, you know, I mean, I just feel like we need to gather all the information that we can and think carefully about what sources we trust Mm -hmm. because there are people in this world who know way more about this than we do there are people in this world who are more informed about all of it you know right the way the sausage is made the whole the whole behind the scenes thing like we have a friend christy who knows a lot about this and i put a lot of stock into her opinion right because she's you know she's very educated very informed more so than i am so you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna blindly follow any one person but i'm gonna choose as many sources of people to put stock into as i can and listen right it's important to listen yeah i mean am i nervous about it yeah i am am i gonna get it the second i can yeah yep so that's that's where I'm at with it. So, for what it's worth, the audio guy has had both vaccines, Pfizer, and he he's not really a mutant yet. So <laughs> I mean, he he his toenail's a little funky. He's about to have surgery on that, but I don't think that was the vaccine. No, I think he's had that for a while. <laughs> I think he has. <laughs> so yeah, now that I just kind of like aired that off, like I just don't want to i mean i think it's stupid to blindly trust the government right (laughs) not that the government is solely what's behind the covid vaccine to you know really oversimplify that but i i don't think it's smart to blindly trust the government but i don't think it's smart to blindly rebel against the government either right that's teenager shit (laughs) i mean it is right well so today i'm going to tell you a time that the government super duper fucked up for okay 40 fucking years Okay. Okay. So with that, I'm going to start from the very beginning. Okay. The beginning is in Oslo, Norway. Caesar Boek was a dermatologist who specialized in historical, histological, not historical, histological <laughs> research. Now, I don't know how to say this word. Uh, it's R-A-D-E-S-Y-K-E-N. And I actually looked everywhere online it's a nordic word i want to say raid psychen hmm. but it's a nordic sure let's say that nobody can stop us raid psychen it's yeah. the nordic name for the wicked disease and it exploded in norway in the early 18th century when a russian military ship docked long term on norway's coast and passengers with a more severe strain of syphilis Passed it on to the local ladies during some hanky-panky. Oh, my. That's, like, totally on my bucket list, by the way. Um, Some hanky-panky? I think you've had some. (laughs) Not hanky-panky. Not syphilis. Coastal Norway. I want to go to coastal Norway. (laughs) Sure, Melanie. You you really... That's how you chose to introduce that that dream? (gasps) Okay. You have five kids. One day. (laughs) 
You've had hanky panky at least five times. I need to stop having the hanky panky. Mm-hmm. Don't do it a sixth. <laughs> All right. So coastal Norway. They're in bad shape right now. Caesar actually continued the family business, so to speak, when he, as his uncle did before his passing, abandoned popular treatments of mercury and syphilis patients. Instead, between 1890 and 1910, he sort of vaccinated patients with like second and third stage syphilis, like pus rubbing and all that stuff. No. Basically. Yeah. Basically giving them something I'm sure was like the brat diet and then just telling them to get some rest. So pretty much nothing. Hold the phone, Melanie. (laughs) It just occurred to me that different people may call that diet different things. Because the brat diet? Or is it the brat diet? I'm not a brat, and I've had to eat that You're stuff. You're saying brat is in bratwurst? What? I put the brat in bratwurst. No, it's the what brat the- diet. What do you okay. call- you call it? The brat diet? You know what? Continue, continue telling me your story, and I will be posting a poll in our mom group as we speak. Oh man, because you're fucking up my my life right now. I've always been told it was the brat diet. By whom? Doctors. Doctors. Yes. Do you know how many times I've what like, did you had say about blindly trusting doctors? <laughs> <laughs> did I tell you when I had COVID, the doctor came in and shook my hand and said, Congratulations, you have COVID? No. I was like, Why the fuck are you shaking my hand? And he wow. straight face looked at me and said, Because I washed them. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if maybe he had COVID like already. Is, and he is was this just the like, same one who told you it was the bratwurst diet? No, no. Uh-huh. Listen, okay. I've been in the hospital a couple times for food poisoning because I'll eat just about anything. And I've always been told it's the brat diet. Okay. Well, we'll by the end of this, we're going to know. I wonder if it's a regional thing. So we'll do the mom group. And then after this, we'll do a poll in Mark Safe. Mm-hmm. Okay? Okay. It's the Brock diet. Well, you know what? We're going to find out. All right. We'll see. We're going to find out. Well, Caesar, he was just like, get some rest for the syphilis. So, okay. And maybe it'll go away. So, Edwin Brusgard scoured Caesar's records and decided to do a study of his own. Since Caesar had withheld the popular treatments for syphilis at the time for his 2,000 patients, Edwin wanted to know how they fared since. So for two years, he followed up with 473 of Caesar's 2,000 former patients. This study would be known as the Oslo Study of Untreated Syphilis. So this study has already been done before. Hmm. way 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 back and when so 70 percent of these patients they actually lived pretty full lives without syphilis really interfering with their day-to-day um but edvin didn't sweep the dangers of untreated syphilis under the rug i mean 30 percent is not anything to sneeze at that's still concerning you know yeah yeah 
Um, so medical experts agree that even latent stages of syphilis needed to be treated. It should not be left unchecked at all. No. So there you go. This study has been done. There's no reason to do this study anymore. And yet. But remember, we're in Norway. These people are white. (laughs) So back to the 20th century America. Julius Rosenwald was part owner and president of Sears, Roebuck, and Company. In 1910, Julius read Booker T. Washington's autobiography, Up From Slavery, and found Booker T. Washington's story absolutely inspiring. As a friendship formed between the two, Julius used his philanthropist (laughs) efforts to create the Rosenwald Fund, which donated money to support the black economic development that Booker T. Washington had envisioned. This would help develop schools, factories, businesses, and agriculture. So what appears to be the best intentions, the Rosenwald Fund, they agree to financially support Dr. Hugh S. Cumming, the Surgeon General of the United States Public Health Service, in his study of controlling venereal diseases in the rural South. So this grant is like to the tune of like $50,000 and it's just for a year. So today that's going to be just like just over three quarters of a million dollars. You know, I was about to ask, how many times per episode would you say you open the inflation calculator? A lot. This one, I think I did it like three times. I I think not an episode has gone by that I haven't. Unless it's like, I think for like the 80s. Unless it's very recent. Yeah, but any old timey, I try to to get on it. I don't know. The 80s actually is bigger than you think. Really? Yeah. I've been surprised by ones in that time frame. Even the 90s can surprise you. Okay, well, I'm just going to make it a habit then. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, fuck, do it for 2019. Do you think when our kids are older and we're decrepit and we pass (laughs) this podcast along, (laughs) are they going to have to... Adelaide wants it. Wouldn't that be so cute? Adeline oh and Ava yes. take over Mark's day. Yes. And we never tell anyone they're going to. Just one it just day happens. we sound a little different. But wouldn't that be funny if they ha- they decide like, hey, we're going to release, re-release our mom's episodes. Oh, my but God. But then they have to like redo all the inflation calculators because so much time's passed. <laughs> oh, yes. Hold on. I have to tell you something real quick. Okay, I have to tell you, think about words like hat with the A-T sound. Hat. And think about words like at, cat, bat, mat. Are any of them ot? Oh my gosh, you get over it. It's <laughs> no. rot. Did you put that poll? Yeah, and so far not a single vote for you. <laughs> Rude. It's three to zero right now. Rude. Well, this is my episode. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, the next episode's going to be about the brat diet, <laughs> and that's all, which I think is considered outdated anyway now. See? I still follow it. But I used anyway. my inflation calculator, and it is now brought. Mm-hmm. The inflation calculator told you that? Yep. Okay. It's like that time I counted. One, B. Oh, God. <laughs> what? For the second time tonight, bless your heart. Your problem is that you put too much faith in me. No. 
Mm, no. Mm. Or, uh, maybe in pronunciations. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> All right. So let's get back to it. Okay. I have, I do have a lot of feelings about this, though. We'll let it's you. We'll let you issue. air out your grievances at the end. Okay. Okay. I'll shut up for a while. <laughs> so, there's this grant money. It would essentially help only in finding the prevalence of syphilis in blacks, and then look into the likelihood of widespread treatment. So it's just like the beginning, you know. They just want to test. See if there's any venereal diseases, um, which there was already inkling that there would be, and then figure out a way to treat. So the United States Public Health Service starts looking at six locations to conduct their study. Macon County, Alabama, Scott County, Mississippi, Tipton County, Tennessee, Glenn County, Georgia, Pitt County, North Carolina, and Albemarle County, Virginia. I'm probably saying that wrong, like brought to. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you're starting to own that mistake. <laughs> it's not a mistake. It is what mm-hmm. it is. We'll see about that. <laughs> when the initial testing was completed in 1931, it showed that Macon County had a significantly higher amount of men infected with syphilis than any other of the counties. And there was something else going on. America was also in the throes of the Great Depression. No further grants were given from the Rosenwald Fund for the study. So the study was completed, funds were depleted, and that should be that. That was a beautiful rhyme. Oh, I rhymed. That was that was so elegant. Oh. I can almost forgive you for this bratwurst bullshit. Well, I didn't even intend to do that, so. But it was beautiful. <laughs> Say that again. A study was completed, funds were depleted, and that should be that. God, it's poetry. Okay. (laughs) I have have low standards. (laughs) Okay. So, something super gross happens. The Public Health Service decided that uh, since the work had been done, they shouldn't just waste it right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. since there wasn't any more funds a super scale back study of a different sort would be conducted it would be narrowed down to just one county and there wouldn't be any treatments because there was no Mm -hmm. fund for treatments Mm -hmm. it was like a very involved let's kind of sit back and watch type of study seems legit Mm mm-hmm Because Macon County, Alabama had the highest number of cases, the Surgeon General reached out to the Tuskegee Institute to help with their continued studies. Quote, The recent syphilis control demonstration carried out in Macon County, with the financial assistance of the Julius Rosenwald Fund, revealed the presence of an unusually high rate in this county and, what is more remarkable, the fact that 99% of this group was entirely without previous treatment. This combination, together with the expected cooperation of your hospital, offers an unparalleled opportunity for carrying out this piece of scientific research, which probably cannot be duplicated anywhere else in the world. Wow, really making that fancy. Mm-hmm. 
The Tuskegee Institute felt that by cooperating with this government study, it would put them in a position to receive future government funding and assistance. Um, you know, it's predominantly black. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they're, they're doing, they're presented this and they're like, we can be a part of something. We can get the funding we need. So this is, this is how the Tuskegee Institute becomes a part of this study. Um, and like I said before, um, the official name of it was the Tuskegee study of the untreated syphilis in the Negro male. Here's the thing though. Who the fuck signs up for something like this? No one. (laughs) This is what, what it's called. How do you get people to sign up for the study when you name it this? No. Right? No. Yeah. I mean, you either get one of those maverick doctors who's going to inject a protozoa into their own veins to study it or people who don't know what they're signing up for or don't know that they're signing up for anything all right exactly so those are the options there there was this flyer and it read colored people do you have bad blood free blood test free treatment by county health department and government doctors you may feel well and still have bad blood. Come and bring all your family. Oh, God. This is how they fucking presented it. That's actually grosser than I expected. And I'm semi-familiar with this story. They called it bad blood. Oh. Like, I can't imagine reading this, like, the line, you may feel well and still have bad blood. What kind of scary fucking notion is that? I okay. I have thoughts, but I need to fact check one of my thoughts real quick. So continue. All right. To add to the ick factor of not being forthright with what they were actually testing for, the public health service also recruited black health care workers to gain the trust because white wow. doctors had already a fucked up resume in the black community and they didn't want to derail this study's efforts i mean you got the kkk doing all sorts of bullshit on their bullshit okay i just fact-checked my thought and it is correct which is that i feel like this would have been i feel like that's extra gross because it would have been a very easy way to kind of prey on things because i know that african americans definitely have a higher rate of diabetes yeah and i know that they're probably i mean there's really not always good understanding of diabetes among diabetics now i'm sure there wasn't then and also i know that sickle cell anemia had just been discovered at that point yeah it was a catch-all yeah the idea of having some shit wrong with your blood come find out what would have been weirdly effective with that particular population in that particular time exactly that's oh i hate that that's gross it's fucking terrible it gets it gets this gets so bad all right so it worked their stupid flyer all their manipulation it worked 1700 came from surrounding counties 400 black men who tested positive positive for syphilis were selected to go untreated Again, to make this perfectly clear, without their knowledge. 
Jesus. And another 201 without syphilis were chosen as a control group. So we got over 600 men here. Mm-hmm. They targeted sharecroppers and those who suffered financially by offering free hot lunches, free medical care, and free burial service. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. We'll get to the burial business stuff here shortly. So Freddie Lee Tyson's daughter, Lily, said, quote, My father wanted to protect himself and his family. He wanted to get the benefits that were offered. Keep in mind, this is 1932 when he was recruited. These were yeah, very difficult got, times in the rural South. He just Yeah, got, I got really deep into the bullshit of sharecropping researching my last episode. I didn't end up including that much of it, but most of those people who got fucked over by that flood were sharecroppers. Yep. It was bad. Same here. Same with this study. If that's what you want to call it. It's not fucking study. Mm-mm. Um, He just got married in 1931. This was before any of his nine children were born. Without health care at the time, it was an opportunity, along with the free burial and the lunch. So it just sucks. It just sucks so yeah. bad. What well, was initially supposed to be a six-month study I already have, like, there's already a problem. This should not be happening. No. So, at first, they're like six months. It should not be, so it should not be at all. No, of course not. Doctors rationalized not treating the men because they probably wouldn't have gotten treatment on their own anyways. Oh, fuck off. Mm-hmm. And the study kept evolving. They wagered that white people were more likely to develop neurosyphilis and that black people were more likely to sustain cardiovascular damage so not only are these men they're going untreated in the summer of 1933 they were now given a super invasive procedure a fucking spinal tap oh god so they can just prove their racist theories oh are giving these fucking men spinal taps. Oh, man. That's not good. No. Here's a letter because how do you get people to come and get a spinal tap? I can't wait to find out. Do you have bad spines? Mm. Some time ago, you were given a thorough examination, and since that time, we hope you've gotten a great deal of treatment for bad blood. You will now be given your last chance to get a second examination. This examination is a very special one, and after it is finished, you will be given a special treatment if it is believed you are in condition to stand it. Remember, this is your last chance for special free treatment. Be sure to meet the uh, nurse. I would feel sleazy saying this to my children. Mm-hmm. So the treatments mentioned in that letter, by the way, they were intentionally ineffective. <laughs> yeah. So like these, they think they're getting medicine. Nothing is. Lots of great treatment. Lots of great treatment. Um, And I mean, duh, that's not what this study was about. You know, they weren't studying treated syphilis. No. And the nurse, 
Um, that was Eunice Rivers. Okay, so Eunice Rivers, um, she's a black nurse. Um, she's also the only consistent full-time staff member through the entirety of this study. So it, it will make you feel some things when you see how unethical this treatment is of these men of the same race. Um, the waters are super fucking murky. And I don't want to, yeah, um, I don't want to get too caught up in her story. Um, she's a black woman in the thirties. Yeah. Period. I think it would be foolish to discount what that means. Um, I did find, um, an article in the journal of women's history and I'll, I'll read a little excerpt out of that. It was, I'll, I'll link this one too. It's a really great article. Um, says, although historians have noted the key role that Eunice Rivers played in the experiment, they have presented her as a victim by virtue of her own status as a woman, an African-American, and a nurse. Groundbreaking work by James Jones, for example, interpreted much of Rivers' participation as driven by obedience to a higher authority. A more satisfactory consideration of her role as a historical subject is in order. Yet, examination of Rivers' role does not lead to the interpretation of her as an evil nurse. What does it mean, then, to talk about the agency of black women within racist and sexist social structures? Indeed, Rivers was neither a victim nor a villain, but a complex figure who can only be understood within the historical context. She acted in ways she determined to be in her best interest and in the interest of promoting black health. Consistent with the response of at least some black health professionals and educators at the time, Rivers didn't question the experiment because she did not find it objectionable. So, I mean, it is complicated. Yeah, I I think that's a a fair interpretation of it, though, the thing you just read. Yeah, I thought so, too. So, Eunice was the mediator. Because you remember I told you they just they hired black healthcare workers to get what they needed. And yeah. so that was kind of her role in this study. Um, because there was a number of reasons where some of these guys, they, they're dropping out of the study. So they're using her to just make sure they stay. Okay. It's like you can trust her. Don't don't go anywhere. Um, but yeah, so some of them are dropping out. Freddie Lee Tyson actually dropped out. Um, his daughter Lily said, quote, he did stop going and having his blood drawn. My grandmother, Maggie Neal, was a well-known midwife in Macon County, and she had a close relationship with one or two of the white doctors in town. She's the one who told my father to stop taking those blood tests. Several women were affected by what was going on. Some had stillborn babies or babies born with symptoms. Some women had other health issues like arthritis. It was so troubling. And it was fucking troubling because the men weren't the only victims in this. Of course not. 40 wives contracted syphilis and 19 children were born with congenital syphilis. Is that how you say it? Congenital? I believe so. I'm having talking issues today. How else would you say that? Congenital? No, 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 no. (laughs) Definitely congenital. Brought. Fucking bratwurst. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you're not treating them. 
and they're passing it to their wives. You know what I yeah. mean? And then they're having children. It's like, what the fuck? Um, and healthcare wasn't readily available to them. No. You know, a lot of them are going to this study because they are getting free health care. Yeah. So they think. Um, and then Lots just step back and think about, like, the generations before them and before them. Like, oh, it's maddening. I think you could, yeah, I think you could pull a lot of people in with that same gimmick still today. Yeah. Free health care. Free health care. So back to the burial business. So before they offer to pay, before they offer to pay for burial service, um, the government doctors, that's what they're referred to. It just creeps me out. Sounds like a very unsettling term. Government doctors. Um, They had a hard time getting them in the hospital when they got really sick. Um, So, they had to sweeten the pot somehow. And so they decided that they'll pay for the burials too. Um, with that, the Millbank Memorial Fund paid $50 per man. Um, it's about $1,000 today, which isn't fucking shit um, yeah, no. for the burials. Before you start thinking that there's any sort of humanity in this. I didn't. Good. Don't worry. There's a catch. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Wanting to amp up the study, performing oh autopsies on the men became an important initiative. Oh, the money for the burials was also permission for the study to conduct those autopsies. Yuck. So yuck, right? Yuck. Big yuck. Big yeah. yuck. They just... That's what I have to say about that. They knew how to manipulate to get what they wanted. It's just... This... And the, it, it's... The stuff that is effective is so fucking depressing. It's really depressing. Healthcare and not even free, just mildly discounted burial. Fuck. hmm One article I found said, quote, From the historical and social perspective of the rural South in the early 1930s, the PHS strategies represented a high degree of understanding about the cultural milieu in which the study was being conducted. There is no doubt the approach was a sophisticated demonstration of cultural sensitivity coupled with political savvy and an impressive commitment by collaborating agencies. However, the tragedy was that the project was intended to meet real health needs ended in a mere attempt to salvage scientific data. So, like, they knew that burials were important. They knew healthcare was important. Like, they used the culture against them. Well, yeah. That's really sad. This is so yucky. Now we're in the 1940s. And in the That's midst of a great time to be, ugh, some time has passed. Mm-hmm. We're in the midst of World War II draft. Okay, <laughs> this is super fucked up too. The draft would most certainly derail this study because of an entrance medical exam, which show syphilis oh, infections, shit. and they would go on to treat them. Oh, that's a plot twisteroo. Mm-hmm. 
So, oh shit. Up until now, the study was successful in keeping the men in the dark about their infections um, by instructing local doctors not to diagnose and treat them. Are you fucking kidding me? No, they went to the local doctors and was like, here's a list of men. Don't treat them. What? Don't tell them what's going on. Yes. What? Yes. So in continuation... That is upsetting. Oh, yes. I had never heard that. Mm-hmm. And they didn't stop there because when the draft came, they successfully oh, had the Macon God. County draft not move forward with drafting the men. They just didn't draft oh. them. Everybody's drafted. Unless you're yeah. a study subject. Oh, my freaking God. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that is just worse to me <laughs> yeah oh so this the study just continues on and the men still don't know what their bl- bad blood it really their is their whole lives are being controlled at this point they don't even know their whole fucking lives <sighs> it's creepy it's yeah, it's creepy it's, yeah so a short time later, penicillin makes its big debut, right? Yeah. It is very successful in treating syphilis. It is actually, mm-hmm. it turns into the standard in treating syphilis. I think it might still be. Mm-hmm. Guess who they didn't tell? Uh. Mm-mm. Um, they could have fucking helped them, and they didn't. And don't they already have years of data at this point? Years. We This started in 32. We're in 1940. I mean, not that it was ever justified, but even if they were like, Oh, trust me. We're going to fuck these people over for the, the greater good. Not that I endorse that, but I mean, we will I guess get you can sympathize them. with that on some level, but come the fuck on. We will get to them trying to fucking justify it. Trust me. They okay. try. Can't wait. Of course they do. Um. So, yeah, they could have helped them. They didn't, and the men still are thinking they're they're getting free health care. Yeah, it's the complete opposite of health care, and they're not going anywhere else for treatment because they literally believe that they're already getting treatment. I mean, why would you go somewhere else? You're getting free health care. Yeah. All right. Then, in 1947, in response to the Nuremberg trials of war crimes by Nazis, the Nuremberg Code was drafted. Quote, this judgment established a new standard of ethical medical behavior of World War II human rights era. Amongst other requirements, this document enunciates the requirement of voluntary informed consent of the human subject. The principle of voluntary informed consent protects the right of the individual to control his own body. Okay. So this comes out. They're like, these Nazis did a bunch of fucked up shit medically. This is the standards. You don't do this shit. Yeah. So, we've been talking about this study. It shouldn't have happened, period. 
But now there's a new code of ethics. Okay. But again, the men in the Tuskegee study are continued to be lied to. Of course. They just ignore this. Ten years after the Nuremberg Code was released to the Public Health Service, they do something for the men. Oh, I can't wait to find out what. We are now a disgusting 25 years into them being treated by lab rats. You have any guesses? It's something nice. I just like that you just had treated by lab rats. <laughs> I am having... I I like the thought of that. <laughs> that would have been so much better, mm-hmm. I think. Also, I'd like you to know the poll is 20 to 0 now. Brats. <laughs> so so go talk to your doctor friends about what they're saying. <sighs> I'm sticking to it. So this something that PHS does, it's like a super slap in the face. That's on brand. In 1957, they give them. Are you ready for this? Bracing myself. This is going to suck, I can tell. A certificate of appreciation that, oh. that read, quote, in grateful recognition of 25 years of active participation in the uh, Tuskegee uh, Medical Research Study. And okay. It, and then they give them $25. Wow. $25 for 25 years. A oh, dollar a year they gave these men. Let's just don't do anything. Don't do anything. Let's pretend for a moment that nothing unethical happened. Yeah. You're really going to try to give someone a dollar a year for that kind of commitment? You would be much better off just giving them nothing. I mean, even the certificate is just stupid. That's, yeah. I'm going to send it to you. insulting. Okay, please do. There's like, I don't even know if you would call it a certificate. Um, let's, oh, no, that's just a printed out piece of paper. Yeah. Wow. Fuck off. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome. <laughs> so, 32 years into the study the World Health Organization released the Declaration of Helsinki in 19, of 1964 from their website. Quote, its purpose was to provide guidance to physicians engaged in clinical research, and its main focus was the responsibilities of researchers for the protection of research subjects. The advancement of medical science and the promotion of public health although recognized as important objectives of medical research, were clearly subordinate to the well-being of individual research subjects. The reason for this emphasis on protection of research subjects are not difficult to discern. The DOH, like its well-known predecessor, the Nuremberg Code, was intended to prevent the mistreatment of research subjects such has been done and sorry such has been practiced by Nazi physicians 
In the absence of external constraints like legal frameworks and research ethics committees, it placed the responsibility to protect research subjects on the medical research, who at the time were mostly physicians. So it's another thing being like, hey, you got to take care of your research subjects. Yeah. I feel like they've had so many opportunities at this point to be like, "Let's." my bad, we're, we're catching up with the cultural norms here and, and kind of get on the right side of history. No. Uh, no, they just keep doubling down. They doubled down. They fucking ignored it. And yeah, study continues. All right. Let's get super pissed some more. Okay. Can't wait. In the paper, Racism and Research, the case of the Tuskegee Syphilis Study, it talks about the rational, rationalization of the racial aspects and shares an excerpt from the minutes of a 1965 meeting at the Center for the Disease Control, the CDC. You ready for this? I'm so ready. Racial issues mentioned briefly will not affect the study. Any questions can be handled by saying these people were at the point in their therapy where therapy would no longer help them. They are getting better medical care than they would under any other circumstances. Jesus Christ. Uh, hey, dumb fuck. Like, I don't know. This excuse. Bless it. The arrogance of white men knows no bounds. The. At a point that therapy would no longer help them. This excuse like aged like milk. They, they don't have fucking therapy because you didn't give them fucking therapy. Did you just make up that idiom? Because I love it. What? This age like milk. Well, yeah, it just ages like milk. I mean, no, it makes perfect sense. I've just never heard it before. No, it's like the opposite of aging like age, you know, age like wine. Yeah, no, no, I get it. I just like it. Uh, did you just make that up? No, I wish. Okay. Right there with brought. But it, it remains twenty to zero. <laughs> but it's frustrating because they're saying, "Well, we can't treat these guys now. There's nothing we can do for them." Well, yeah, yeah, there might have been at one point. It's your own fucking fault why they're in yeah. this situation. They denied them the treatment. Yeah. They don't even yeah. know what the fuck they have. All right, enter. Yeah, I'm mad. <laughs> I'm so mad too, and I've I'm, been I'm like still, researching I think this I'm still for a most week. mad. Yeah, I'm. I'm still like my peak mad for this episode. I think is telling all the doctors to not diagnose them. Uh-huh. I don't. I don't know why that detail just got me. Yeah, it's it's gross. So, enter Peter Buxton. He was hired by the Public Health Service in the mid-60s after seeing a flyer announcing a new venereal disease program that was funded through PHS. He didn't have a background in this, but he needed a job. He said, quote, I found this thing and thought, San Francisco? Working in VD control? What a stitch. (laughs) Uh, What the fuck? (laughs) What a stitch. Okay. The young social worker heard about the Tuskegee study from his coworkers, but that does he love venereal disease so much? He just wanted a job. He's like, I could do this. Okay. I think he was a history major. 
he sounds like especially interested in the nature of this. Yeah. Um, Well, so he hears about the Tuskegee study. He's in San Francisco, right? And he hears about this from a coworker. And the idea that something like this is going on was like inconceivable to him. He's like, there's no fucking way that this is happening. So he called the CDC and he asked for more information on this study. And he got it, all of it. Because they're publishing, they're not telling these guys what they have or what, you know, they can do to treat them. But they're still publishing in the medical journal. So it's all, they're documenting, they're not completely hiding it. Yeah. Just hiding it from those people. Exactly. While the whole rest of the world is in on it. Right. Practically. Yep. I hate that. So the CDC, they send Peter everything. And he starts reading it and he is just like blown (laughs) away. What? Yeah. He says, quote, you treat, you treat him. You don't let him get back out in society and infect someone else. It was an autopsy oriented study. They wanted these guys dead on a pathology table. Less than a year into his employment, Peter filed a grievance with the head of the Public Health Service's venereal disease department. Um, Peter's concerns, they were brushed off. Of course they were. What a stitch, Peter. (laughs) Stitch. Yeah. So it really bothered him. So in 1968... um, he reached out again. He just, he couldn't let it go. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated earlier that year. And Peter thought maybe sharing the optics of the study during this time would convince them to stop. What he says is a super yikes statement, but I'm wagering that he was just kind of trying to appeal to them any way he could to get them to stop. You know, can't beat them, join them type deal. Yeah. So he wrote, Quote, the group is 100% Negro. This in itself is political dynamite and then subject to wild journalistic misinterpretation. So if he's like, I'll just tell them, like, it's going to be their ass. Maybe they're, maybe they would be worried about their asses, you know? Maybe. Yeah. If nothing else. Apparently they're not worried about anything else. Well, they didn't care. They didn't care what it looked like. And they... They just brush Peter off again. They're like, shoot, get out of here. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. He left his job at the Public Health Service in 1970. 1970. It started in 1932. I not this went on quite that long. Mm -hmm. I knew this went on for decades. I just don't think I realized quite ended that decade. Yeah. So 1970, he's like, I'm out of here. In 1972... He took matters into his own hands. He told his buddy, a journalist named Edith, about the Tuskegee study, sharing with her the documents that he had received from the CDC. Edith's boss agreed that they had something, and they sent all the materials to a seasoned investigative reporter named Jean Heller. On July 25, 1972, on the cover of New York Times, Jean's article was published with the headline, 
Syphilis victims in U.S. study went untreated for 40 years. That headline is amazing. Right on the cover of the New York Times. That'll pull you right in. The first paragraph says, quote, For 40 years, the United States Public Health Service has conducted a study in which human beings with syphilis who are induced to serve as guinea pigs have gone without medical treatment for a disease and few have died in its late effects, even though effective uh, therapy was eventually discovered. The study was conducted to determine from autopsies what the disease does to the human body. For most of this article, race is not mentioned, which I think was smart. Yeah. Because the, the phrasing human beings was interesting. Yeah, it really sucked people in. And yeah. I it mean, how could you not get pissed off at that? Yeah. So <sighs> shortly after the Ebony Magazine article where Freddie Lee Tyson learned the truth um, about the study is released. Okay. And so people are fucking mad. They're fucking mad. Well, yeah. So PHS and the CDC appointed an ad hoc advisory panel to review the study. I don't know what the fuck there was to review. They absolutely knew what they were doing was wrong, but Mm -hmm. they did it. In 1973, the NAACP launched a class action lawsuit led by civil rights attorney Fred D. Gray against the U.S., the Department of Health, Education, and Welfare, PHS, CDC, the State of Alabama, the State Board of Health of Alabama, the Millbank Fund, and the individual physicians connected to the study to the tune of $1.8 billion. Wow. Two years later, a settlement is reached. There's like no amount of money, right? No. This, and I know this number is going to be like the $25 bullshit. I can already tell. It broke. It's a. It broke my heart. Um. Gosh, I can't even breathe right now. So there's an article examining Tuskegee, the infamous. Well, it's a book. Sorry. Um, the infamous syphilis study and its legacy, and it states, quote. Each living syphilis subject receives $37,500. Their heirs of each diseased subject with syphilis are awarded $15,000. Each living control is granted $16,000, and each disease control is awarded $5,000. 6,000 people receive some compensation. Oh my God, $37,000 is the highest. I think that we should take this moment to, again, throw in that this is why we still need to say that Black Lives Matter. Yeah. This shit right here. Fucked up. All right. Because what year was this? This is 1973. 
my sister was alive then. I mean, that's. <sighs> there was also an agreement to pay the medical treatments of the surviving participants um, and infected family members. Um, the last of them passed away in 2009. 2009. So yeah. this is like, stop saying these things are so far behind us because they're yeah. fucking not. No. Not at all. I mean, not even getting into the shit that is happening today. Ugh. It's so messed up. All right. Freddie Lee Dude, Tyson. I, look, I looked up in the research for my next episode, Ruby Bridges. It's it's not an episode about Ruby Bridges, but I had occasion to look her up. Do you know who she was? I don't. It's, she's um that little girl in that famous picture who... I'm, I'm sure I'm mangling the history here. She, she was involved in school desegregation. She was like, okay, I know what you're our talking kids' about. age. Yes, and, yeah. Um, the, I saw a picture of her now. She like, she doesn't even look old, like at all. Oh, it just. I mean, she has clearly aged well. Like she is older, but I mean, she, she doesn't look old at all. Lots of work to be done. <sighs> yeah. So. Freddie Lee Tyson was 82 when he passed away from a car accident in 1988, less than 10 years before a presidential apology was given for the Tuskegee study. We talked about over 600 men, right? Yeah. Only eight survivors of the study would live long enough to hear the public apology (sighs) given by President Bill Clinton on May 16, 1997. Carter Howard... Frederick Moss, Herman Shaw, Fred Simmons, Sam Donner, Ernest Hennon, George Key, and Charlie Pollard. He was the cattle farmer that was featured in the 1972 Ebony Magazine article. Fuck. And you know what? Today, a presidential apology is still too much to ask most of the time. Yeah. So I have a clip of that. So let's play that, okay? Okay. The eight men who are survivors of the syphilis study at Tuskegee are a living link to a time not so very long ago that many Americans would prefer not to remember, but we dare not forget. It was a time when our nation failed to live up to its ideals, when our nation broke the trust with our people that is the very foundation of our democracy. It is not only in remembering that shameful past that we can make amends and repair our nation, but it is in remembering that past that we can build a better present and a better future. And without remembering it, we cannot make amends and we cannot go forward. So today, America does remember the hundreds of men used in research without their knowledge and consent. We remember them and their family members. Men who were poor and African-American, without resources and with few alternatives, they believed they had found hope when they were offered free medical care by the United States Public Health Service. They were betrayed. Medical people are supposed to help when we need care. But even once a cure was discovered, they were denied help, and they were lied to. 
by their government. Our government is supposed to protect the rights of its citizens. Their rights were trampled upon. Forty years, hundreds of men betrayed, along with their wives and children, along with a community in Macon County, Alabama, the city of Tuskegee, the fine university there, and the larger African-American community. The United States government did something that was wrong, deeply, profoundly, morally wrong. It was an outrage to our commitment to integrity and equality for all our citizens. To the survivors, to the wives and family members, the children and the grandchildren, I say what you know. No power on earth can give you back the lives lost, the pain suffered, the years of internal torment and anguish. What was done cannot be undone. But we can end the silence. We can stop turning our heads away. We can look at you in the eye and finally say on behalf of the American people, what the United States government did was shameful, and I am sorry. I found this quote uh, from Lily about the presidential apology, and I do think it's important to share, especially since I've talked about her father so much in this episode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it says, quote, Unfortunately, Daddy did not witness the 1997 presidential apology by President Bill Clinton. But our mother, Johnny Mae Neal Tyson, did watch it via television. It was upsetting our family, especially his granddaughter, Carmen, that our grandmother, the silent, heroic partner, was not invited to the auspicious occasion by the powers in charge. Mom died in 2010 at the ripe age of 99. She lived through it all. See, that's why it is so critical to find quotes like that because i'm like hey that was a pretty decent apology the fuck do i know nothing right nothing sad yeah today lily is the president of the nonprofit voices for our father's legacy foundation carmen freddie lee tyson's granddaughter says quote there is a desire and a need for us through our foundation and through my professional work to one to move this story of the syphilis study to one that speaks towards being a victim to being a victor. Ooh. For moving from trauma to triumph. Voices of Our Father's Legacy Foundation, quote, provide scholarship funds to the descendants with the intent of lifting up 623 new voices in the fields of bioethics and health sciences, expand the ethics of care, and create a new tapestry of hope, healing, and trust. Nice. You can make a scholarship donation on their website. Uh, it's voicesofourfathers.org. I'll link this on our social. I made a donation as well. It's very easy to do. It's PayPal. Um, if you have some extra bucks, just do it. You can put any amount that you want. It, it, it's important. I... I yeah. If you can afford it, make the donation. Um, I will, like I said, link it. Before I wrap it up, I know we talked a little bit about 
COVID earlier, and I kind of want to go back to that because um, I did find an article where Lily, and she has shared so much, um, but uh, she was interviewed about the vaccination. The article is Descendants of Tuskegee Syphilis Study Survivors Say It Was Nothing Like the COVID-19 Vaccination. She was asked, quote, so do you think the comparisons between the syphilis study of Tuskegee and the COVID-19 vaccination are misguided? And so Lily says, quote, what I find interesting is that when penicillin became known as the therapy for treating syphilis, those men were denied treatment. I'm having trouble understanding the logic. The men in the study didn't get a vaccine. You are comparing men not getting a vaccine to a vaccine that is available. So how can you compare not having something to the opportunity to have something? I can see as some people believe, well, they're not going to give it to us anyways, or what they give us may be different than someone else. But that's not the case either. Because of what happened during the syphilis study of Tuskegee, an institutional review board, IRB, was created. And part of that board is responsible for analyzing and approving the COVID-19 vaccination. So there you go. Wow. Damn. You know, I keep thinking, and I hope so much that this doesn't come off as juvenile or disrespectful because I don't mean it to, but how much would it just suck to have to spend the rest of your life talking about your dad's syphilis? It would suck. It would suck. I mean, I, I'm not saying they shouldn't. I'm not trying to be childish about it. It's just like, if you're going to spend your life you know, doing something for your dad's memory and talking about your dad in a public facing position. How much would it suck to have to spend it talking about that? That's it, not something you want to do. No. And I mean, good for them for doing it, but that. And it's so sucks. frustrating because Freddie Lee Tyson, he was born with it. Wow. God, that sucks. It. He, it's not something that he did. Yeah. Yeah. And I, God knows, I don't mean that like no, to I know. shame him or something. No, I know. But it's just, she, there, no one should have to advocate for this. This should never fucking happen. No, no. This is horrifying. You'll be happy to know that the next episode is going to be much happier. Much, much, much happier. happier. Yes. Yes. Our next episode will be one big disaster relief. We're going to need it. Do you want to give them a hint? Um, what would be a good hint? Because you know what it is. I will say it's a compilation. Yeah. And I will say that we are going to shift the focus away from the horrible things that have been done to black people, black communities, and talk about something else, something better. I'm really excited. I'm really I'm excited so about excited. it. Speaking of disaster relief, we need it. Okay, who's going first? Um, you already know what mine is. So, do you want to go first? Sure. I think or you know what mine is too. But sure. <laughs> <laughs> no one is surprising anyone tonight. <laughs> go for it. Okay, so. I would like to plug, in honor of my mother, since we had to shout her out in the beginning, my magic special blanket. Okay, so this is, like, my favorite Amazon find of all time. 
I bought this blanket on Amazon in, I don't know, whenever I redid the bedroom. You remember probably as well as I do a few months ago. It was like um, episode 11. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know what episode <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I bought this blanket and it's like this beautiful mustard color, which is one of my favorite colors. And it's listed as flannel. It, I wouldn't describe it as flannel. It, it's not, but it almost has kind of like a velour feel. Um, and it looked really cute it was about 30 bucks and it was 60 by 80 so nice and big and i ordered it and i got it and oh my god it's the best blanket i've ever had it's super adorable too it is really cute and it's so soft and it's kind of heavy so it's you know nice and i am obsessed with it and then i got um I got another one in a different color. I have, there's 15 colors. I have the mustard yellow and then I got the emerald green and I kind of incorporated that into my uh, Christmas decor, but it's absolutely not going away now that Christmas is done. (laughs) Um, And now I'm giving it as gifts because my mom got obsessed with it because it's, I mean, it's not explicitly mid-century modern, but it definitely fits in with that. Um, And you know how my mom is with MCM. Yeah. So... Um, I got her one for her birthday in December, and I think she loves it every time we video chat. She's under it, uh, and now I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be like Oprah with this blanket. Really, everyone that I know who I have occasion to buy a present for is getting this blanket until everyone has one. <laughs> People who didn't know they wanted or needed a blanket. It's just so nice. It's soft and cute, and oh, the pom poms are. It's got pom pom fringe. My is brats. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> By the way, hold on. Let's let's revisit the, the tally. We're at twenty two to zero now. Oh my gosh! What is... urgent dispute? Brat is in bratty. Brat as in bratwurst. The people have spoken. This is terrible. Mm-hmm. Oh, someone wants to know how you pronounce bratwurst. Yeah, that's that's the whole thing. She's not been saying bratwurst correctly either. So really, uh, no, no. It turns out no. So I uh, well, did she vote? For I get to them? set a lot of people straight tonight. Did she vote? I don't know. I guess her vote may not count. But no, I don't think she did. Well, that's BS baloney. <laughs> She is probably the only one that was in my corner. Anyways, speaking of mom group. <laughs> so I was at the grocery store this week and I stroll along and I see this box and it's beautiful. It says pink glow pineapple. So I take a picture of it and I post it in the mom group and I'm like, hey, has anyone seen this? <laughs> I've tried it. I've never seen this in my life. And uh, so I was like, all right, I'll splurge. I will buy a pink pineapple. And so I did. And I didn't. And you went live while you opened it, and it was awesome. I... By the way, you're so cute. You're so stupidly cute. What? No. You're just adorable, <laughs> Melanie. God bless it. I did a pineapple unboxing video you for the mom You literally dyed your hair pink without telling anyone. Well, it's... 
I do that. I, Who does that? I always dye my hair different colors. Did you not see my transition from a brunette to blonde? No. It just happened, right? Yeah. That's different, though. Yeah. It's pink now. I like okay. it. I think I might keep it for a while. So I did an unboxing video live in the mom group. I don't know if anybody would be interested to see that outside the mom group. I have it. Maybe. Well, I don't know. We'll decide. I mean, I will tell you, I'm not necessarily interested in it for the sake of pineapples. I'm interested in it because you're so cute. <laughs> God bless it. The pineapple is so good. Oh, so my hair does match the pineapple, which I didn't yeah. think it would. I've never had a pink pineapple, so it was kind of cool. But yeah, the pineapple's really delicious. It's really good. It's literally like if a watermelon and a pineapple had a baby. I I want that. It's I not some weird plugs this week. Also, don't let me forget to plug titty cookies. Oh yeah, titty cookies. She she's What's calling t- herself Muncie Max, which is fine, but I would really like it to just be like titty cookies ink. But she's more mature than I am, and also makes other things. Yeah, we'll link up her Etsy on our disaster relief, too. So It is Etsy.com slash shop slash Muncie, M-U-N-C-I-E, Max, though. If you want to hop over right now, there are titty cookies for sale. There's uh, a magical, like, big everything in it trail mix type cookie kind of thing called the Big Muncie, which, holy shit, fruity pebble macarons. Titty cookies. I love fruity pebbles so much. I and she does ship, so you certainly don't need to be local. Um, I highly, highly recommend them, and not only because she's my friend, because I thought that I was buying titty cookies just because because my (laughs) husband's immature. (laughs) It's his idea, Um, but they were actually so delicious. We had to like ration them. So, Mm. yeah. We just emptied our box of Fruity Pebbles. Maybe I'll have to check those out. Yeah, you absolutely should. We call them Tootie Bubbles, though, here. Of course you do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, we just rename all of our stuff just to make mornings more fun. Okay, that's fair. Fruity Pebbles, Tootie Bubbles. What's going to make you smile? mornings are rough that's fair mornings are rough with kids so you gotta cheer them up somehow all right speaking of this yeah yeah it was horrible i can't wait for a something completely opposite yeah these horrible episodes uh, the next episode i mean it's it's this is mark safe like it's not gonna be without casualties but by and large the next episode will be a feel-good episode good well i am off to bed i think i'm gonna have an emotional hangover tomorrow so yeah i I need my rest all right well sweet dreams or no dreams sweet dreams or no dreams hey horrible goals hope you enjoyed this week's episode if you would like to share your personal MarkSafe moment, you can send it to us at MarkSafePodcast at gmail.com. Please give our podcast a rate, review, and subscribe, and tell your buddies about us too. That goes a long way. If you want to further elevate your support, check out our MarkSafe Patreon page, where we have shoutouts, goodies, and some bonus content in the works. 
You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks again, and as always, stay safe.